Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome to the WP Builds Podcast. Once more, you have reached episode number 291, entitled The Launch. It was published on Thursday the 11th of August 2022. My name's Nathan Wrigley and before we get to the chat that I'm going to have today with David Wormsley in our WordPress Business Bootcamp series, first a few very small bits of housekeeping. If you like WP Builds, I would really appreciate it if you had the time to go and review the podcast on your podcast player of choice, possibly Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, whichever podcast player allows you to review it. We would love to hear your thoughts and it does sincerely help the podcast to spread, which would be very favourable from my point of view. So yes, just a little request from me. If you feel like doing that, I would be most grateful. If you're in that category of enjoying the podcast, the best way to keep up to date with what we do is to head over to wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe and subscribe to the newsletter there. That way you're going to find out about the podcast that we release every Thursday. That's what you're listening to now. But also the This Week in WordPress show, which we do every single Monday. It's a live show where I'm joined on the screen by three usually WordPress guests, and we talk about the WordPress news and it comes out as a podcast into your feed the very next morning. So that's wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe. You'll find our Twitter feed and our YouTube channel detailed there. I'm also promoting the WP Build social channel. Now, this is a free install of a piece of software called Mastodon. And really, it's for those people who like talking about WordPress, but would rather not do it on a proprietary platform with something like Twitter and Facebook. So this is data held on a server. It's just by me. The audience is pretty small at the moment. But if you fancy signing up, it's wpbuilds.social. Once more, that is a URL, wpbuilds.social. Go over there and sign up and keep the conversation going. And the last thing I want to mention is our deals page. I keep saying it's a bit like Black Friday, but every single day of the week, wpbuilds.com forward slash deals, searchable, filterable deals, coupon codes, and there's loads there, and they never expire. What a fun page that is. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with The Hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by going to go.me forward slash wpbuilds. That's go.me forward slash wpbuilds. And we really do thank GoDaddy Pro for their continued support and helping keep the WP Builds podcast going. 
Okay, we are on, like I said, episode number 291 of the podcast. This is the sixth episode in season three of the WP Builds Business Bootcamp. It's the last one before we move on to series four, and it's entitled The Launch. It's all about that moment when, if you're using the waterfall technique like I am, where you finally hand it over to the client. What are the things that you need to do? What are the checks that you need to make? Or if you're working like David with an agile approach, what are the things that you need to do to get this thing out just in its MVP state? So there's lots to think about here. Most of it you've probably done before, but it's interesting to have it all in one podcast episode. If you find that we've missed something out, or indeed, if you think we got something wrong, head over to wpbuilds.com, search for episode number 291291 and leave us a comment there. I hope that you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to another in the Business Bootcamp series where we relearn everything we know about building WordPress sites and running a web design business from start to finish. We're on episode six, which is the last of season three, which has been about looking at the technical build. And today we are discussing the launch, whatever that is. Nathan and I are taking contrasting approaches to get our new business running and our first client site built. She's a lawyer with no previous site and Nathan as usual, so we just recap on where we're at yeah let's paint a bit of context so the the intention of this series is that we have alternative approaches mine is the more typical approach which i'm sure many people are using which is to say waterfall in other words i go out to find clients go and meet them offer them a proposal get some sort of contract signed and then go away build the website with some collaboration but largely alone and then come back on a planned deadline and say, here it is, it's done, let's launch it. So that is that is literally the end of the road in most cases for me, barring things like care plans. But this is the moment in time where every, the rubber meets the road and it's all kind of finished and done. Yeah, and I'm going with an agile approach, which in theory, the launch is almost the start of the project. So we're going for a minimal viable website that we get out and then we constantly iterate on that and look at user behavior. The launch in my case is very much at the end of a long journey. Loads and loads of things have happened. From what you've just said, in, in the future for you at least anyway, the launch is yeah. going to be really much further back in that journey. You'll you'll have put things live when I'm still tinkering and building and doing all of the bits and pieces I've given all of the documents that I've been sent by the client. Yeah, we're, we're getting something out as soon as we can and fail fast, basically, is the kind of approach to it all. You know, learn from it, get the data, let the data design the website. And, you know, it, realistically, we're talking about a small town lawyer or we've probably thought of her as that way. So I'm not so, so sure how much of Agile would actually come into a site like hers. But yeah, in theory, that's what I'd be doing. So do you know what? I think it's really interesting. Should we just talk about maybe some of the problems that we got here? Because mm. I don't see other conversations at all about how you might go about launching websites because we've got two types of projects that we might do as our kind of small agencies and freelancers. We've got the the complete new project like we've got with our lawyer where there's a new domain and we've got the redesigns where effectively we'd assume that the launch would be typical then because we'd be redesigning in a separate place to the domain and we wouldn't be concerned about getting traffic to it. 
Yeah. I think in this situation, because this client is new and they've never launched, well, they've never launched this version of, of a website before. And we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're purchasing a brand new domain. It's never been seen before. There's no SEO to worry about. All of that will build up over time. I think this is about as easy as it gets in terms of a launch. You know, it's a small town lawyer, probably doesn't have great expectations, probably doesn't want to cause too much of a, a fuss or spend a lot of money with advertising and, you know, making the world aware that the site is going to go live. So this is mm. fairly straightforward. This is really a phone call to say, it's live, go and check it out and make sure it's exactly what you expected and that all the links and the forms are being received. Ah, so with this client though, I might be able to convince her to go the agile route because it's a new domain and getting something out in some form or another would help her to, for the search engines to pick up. One of the key issues I think for me is the fact that if you do this big launch on a new domain and there's nothing but a simple coming soon page that doesn't help Google to know what it's about, then you're waiting some months really before it trusts that domain is providing something useful to anyone. So I could convince her perhaps to go an agile route and we we put in whatever we can as we build it. As long as she isn't too particular, uh, our client, about having this full-blown website, which, you know, everything is perfect, which it might be, because there's the other thing. It's client expectation here, I think, you know, maybe some of them they you know if they're going to put out business cards for it or advertise that their offices are opening which might be in her case she might on those cards she'll probably want to put a website address and she'd probably rather have a come in soon page doing nothing that looked professional than a kind of half done website which is changing all the time so yeah that's a really good point if you are producing materials you know like real life stuff like business cards and letterheads uh, I suppose a conversation mm. would need to be had about, right, well, the website's clearly not ready, so should we just put something on there so that people know that it does exist and it will be coming soon? Yeah, I can totally see the point of that. In Did you ever do a, a big launch? And what I mean by that, I'm not really clear on, but did you ever do something which felt like it was a bit out of the ordinary where this moment in time was something a bit different? Because I don't honestly think I ever did. The, the most that we ever did was you know, just announcing it in the local press or getting an interview, which never involved yeah. me, but the client would get onto the local radio station and announce the fact that they um, they had done this and, you know, get some photographs taken to, to talk about it. But that was as much as I ever did. So nothing ever felt really grand. So, you know, <laughs> for example, when Apple launched their latest iPhone, you can guarantee that their website will be ready on the second it's supposed to be ready. You know, you can you can literally be watching their live presentation and refreshing the page and the iPhone is not available to buy. And the second that Tim Cook says, and it's priced at $899 billion from that exact moment, their <laughs> website will be live and ready to go. But I certainly never had anything like that. Yeah, I, I've not either. And, and quite interestingly, there's a... There's a project which I've done work for the same company a number of times, and each time the time it's taken to get what they call a launch done has increased all the time. So recently it's been over three years and it's kind of, but even so, even though they've been talking all the times about launch and they've got a particular vision for what it is and they don't want anyone to see, it's, it's actually just kind of slipped out there really <laughs> I, yeah. don't, I think in terms of them they're still probably not gone out there and told all people they know who might be interested maybe you know their um, 
their uh, list or something they might probably tell people on that but uh, so I don't think much is happening there but it's interesting the only the only one actually the only thing I would call a proper launch is one we did for our own e-commerce site before I did this as a proper business because we actually did put that live and we actually had a party right um yeah, in the garden. So had. did that that coincided with a whole load of other things happening in the business, or was it literally the website which <laughs> which was the cause of the party? Or was it that the, yeah. the business was firing up at that exact moment as well and, you know? Yeah, we had a party. And we, it was a card shop, and uh, we were putting them out in um, the, the cafe that we had these cards. So it was a sort of business that went with that which my sister-in-law was doing and then the website was going live and it was only really just because we it was an excuse to have a party to be honest uh, where there was lots of people <laughs> we wanted to see <laughs> um, so that was the only one that I would say you know that actually felt like a launch but it, but having said that it really didn't coincide with when the site was actually effectively live on the web yeah that the whole term launch in my experience and obviously that's small town business experience is that really the, 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 the correct term for that would be handover. You know, there wasn't a lot going on. It was more a question of, okay, it's it's there, it's now yours, it's ready to begin doing work. Launch sounds like, you know, something going up into space on a rocket, and it definitely was never anything like that. So much more low-key, much more a question of, okay, this is what we've been building up to, it's, it's ready. And very often it was just done with a simple phone call or an email. So like I say, it was about as low-key as it could be. And I've really thought about this recently, the whole launch thing and what's expected because of trying to move, you know, actually to this agile approach has made me think about things like the coming in soon page, because we we're talking, I think both of us have never really thought about this. I mean, all these years of building client sites and never really considered what we're doing. So I used to do, it makes no sense now. I mean, I used to, on a temporary domain, I would have a coming soon page, which effectively would be set to tell search engines to go and index this nonsense coming soon page, which did no good while I was building out the site, which then eventually would just turn over to the actual domain. There was a kind of, there was no logic to that at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose it depends upon what amount of information you put on that coming soon yeah. page. So if it literally is, you know, amazingwebsite.com, coming soon with a countdown timer of, I don't know, three days or whatever, three weeks, three months, whatever, then that's really doing nothing other than, you know, if people actually do go to that link, they see that something will happen. But if that page was, I don't know, some sort of landing page with some SEO-able data on there, yeah. which might give a little tiny kickstart to Google to have some indication of what's going on, I can see the benefit, but I never, ever, ever did it. Not not once did I use a coming soon page at all. I just yeah. didn't see the point. Well, I did it just basically to hide what was happening on this temporary domain, which right. was telling search engines to go and take a look at this temporary domain. What was the point in that? Yeah, so, so now, you know, I think... Well, I'm going to try and get something going. If, as we, I mean, both of us decided in other chats that we like to work live on the the actual live site rather than work locally where possible. We might as well make the benefit of that by trying to at least get a coming soon, which is on the domain that has some keywords in there at least. Yeah. So how how would you obviously in your agile approach that the whole thing is a movable feast and you're working on the yeah. live thing and you know every every modification that you make with the client is going live at that exact moment. But 
how have you typically handled obfuscating the site whilst you work on it? Have you done it on, I don't know, a subdomain and then just migrated it towards the end? Or have you just kept posts and pages in a draft state so that they were non-discoverable? What, what has been your technique? Well, here's the thing. I haven't had one and I'm still working it out at mm. the moment. So recently, I mean, I think my approach now would be it i've i've moved to this agile slowly so the last couple of clients that i've got they've still got sites which i'm pleased they're out there live because they wouldn't be if we were trying to hold on to the things that they ideally wanted right. to get out there because and it's still there so i've got some hidden custom post types which are just in drafts so they're not going to get picked up on um and we've got on, an, on another site even on the pages there are hidden sections of pages which aren't showing on the site but the site's out there and it can work live but really i think moving forward next time i'd be much keen to make that coming soon page to have the process there so we get the copy in place talk about the fact that we can put that copy out and design live to the site because presumably they won't be sending people purposely to that site so with a new domain it can pick up on some of that and we just keep building around initially uh headless and footless um home page because yeah, most of yeah. the home pages with the agile approach probably will stand uh, alone as a, a landing page in effect anyway everything yeah. that is needed to you know make someone sign up or perform a call to action should be there on that page so that would be the aim now and then just to hide everything else and release everything else as needed but you're right there's some technical issues about that you know what's google going to crawl if you use say a sitemap or something or you allow a sitemap to come out of wordpress yeah well typically for me whether i was doing a brand new site or a rehash of a pre-existing site I would develop the whole thing on a subdomain of my business website. So it would be, mm. I don't know, projectx.pictureandword.co.uk or whatever it might be. That's the way I would do it. And the client would be given that URL and they could go and log in and do whatever it is yeah. that they needed to do. Typically, it was more a question of looking at the front end and making decisions about whether things were correct and whether they matched up to their expectations. And then we'd get that finished and that the sign-off would happen over there on that subdomain so yeah. right that's that's exactly as we want it and then it would be my job the final thing would be to throw the switch kind of migrate it update the dns and put what i had over on my site elsewhere and of course the the, the no index would be switched on on the subdomain mm -hmm. which <laughs> yeah we know where this is going mostly um, yeah and then when you transfer it over one of the one of the sop items was to make sure that the no indexing got switched to off on the yeah. live site and of course you know I'm, i know this is true for you as it is true for me that actually got forgotten <laughs> yeah. sometimes <laughs> yeah so embarrassing yeah but yeah, yeah it's about as bad as it gets really <laughs> i think you know uh, that was always my my big fear. There was a big long list, and we'll talk about that later. What actually goes into a full launch, assuming the traditional model? I don't think it's any different from the agile. And now, what I'm having to start to think about is how I'm how some of these things are in place 
to because if I'm going to release something straight away, I've still got lots of considerations, even if I've just got a temporary home page and it's usable page as my coming soon page. I've still got all those legal requirements. I still need to make sure that it's that site page is going to be accessible. I probably need to have some privacy policy that goes along with that one page. Um, yeah. to stay legal there. So yeah. I'm really having to think about the, the launch much earlier where previously it was a really big long list of, you know, yes. checkbox things thinking, have I done all of these things? Yeah, the, um, the thing about the way that I was doing it as well is that you really are bound by time. And what yeah. typically tended to happen was that everything became very frenetic towards the end. And all of these SOP items, you know, have you got, a, well, I mean, privacy pages weren't really all that much of a thing, but, you know, have I updated the DNS? Has the site migrated successfully? Have I called the client and got a response and all of this kind of stuff? Um, yeah. It really does become very stressful. And, you know, if you haven't quite got to where you need to be, well, the client knows that on the 1st of July, that's the date and anything outside of that is a failure. And and it did. It ended up being quite a, a stressful thing. And I, I'm imagining that if I was to adopt your approach, the more agile approach, that at least you would have less of that kind of stress. I think it's nice. I mean, certainly, last couple of times it's been nice to get their domain name to me from the beginning. Yep. Um, that's made it a, a lot easier because it's it's one less chore at the end that like that you haven't mentioned it so far but you did to me earlier about the fact one of your issues would be with dns is being with someone else and the difficulty you could have there yeah i mean that 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 was in on various occasions that was an absolute nightmare in that i'd failed to figure out that the client's dns was handled by some third party company that third party company you know may have gone on holiday or something like that and so flicking the switch required me to send an email to them which also had to be authorized by the client to say yes nathan is allowed to change our dns please do whatever he says and then sometimes you know it would just sit in an inbox for ages and never get never get dealt with and yeah. so the launch date would come and go it definitely wouldn't have been my fault per se but it kind of yeah. was my fault because i didn't make sure in advance that 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 person knew what was going on yeah and i've had the i mean i don't know if it's the client just behaving that way but they they love to sort of you know it's not my responsibility to get that over to my because i'm hosting it so they need to point their dns to my server to go live but somebody else is controlling that and then they make it a conversation between me and this other person who may have reasons to not want to let them go <laughs> that's really true yep, yep. Uh, or, or that you know that or they've got some issue about you know um, payments or something like that and you get caught in this so i'm very keen now if you were doing it again do you think you would not do the subdomain and try and get from the off the domain to your server. Well, it, it depends because if it was a if it was an already live site, you don't really yeah. have much choice about that because you need no, that you need that business to be continually running. So, no, in some way, shape, or form, I, I think, especially if I was moving a site that was not WordPress over to a WordPress site, then that would be I'd have to develop it elsewhere. Uh, in an ideal world, I would get a client who already use WordPress, and you know probably start to fiddle with things over there but no i think i'd still be sticking with the with the subdomain but i definitely got better at figuring out the dns problem earlier on it never was right at the top it never kind of like right okay 
item number one is let's figure out who's controlling the DNS and make sure that I've got access to it. That It always ended up being late. So I would probably be, be better at that now. Yeah. You know what? I've made a big assumption here, and this is key to the launch as well, particularly with the traditional model, is I've already assumed here that because of the route I go, they always come to my server. So it's logical, of course, that they the first thing they're going to do is to point their domain, their new domain, at my server. But if you're doing a traditional model, um, you're probably going to have the conversation about the care plans and looking after the hosting of those sites you know, after the launch or just coming up to the launch, really, aren't you? Yeah. That's the first thing. I, I, actually, to be honest with you, that, conversa- that conversation always happened fairly on, and you know, fairly early on. What I mean by that is I would often try to, to get them onto my hosting and care plan. And if yeah. that were the case and they were happy to do that, then that did make things easier. Obviously, the whole DNS thing still needs to be dealt with. But at least I knew where it was going to be, and so I could build it on on my on my infrastructure. And then, obviously, I was totally aware of how to migrate the site from here to there. But given that the clients often had a favoured hosting company and you know a cPanel of some kind or a dashboard, I would have to in many cases get to learn that as well which was just another another unnecessary job that i probably should have figured out earlier so our lawyer if we were talking to her for the first time with either of our approaches would we then probably at the beginning be saying skipping that say come on our hosting and we'll start you off and put the domain straight over to our hosting and we'll build your site whether it's you know hidden or not um would that be our ideal approach with her? Do you mean their live current domain if they've already got no, a website? Sorry, or, I mean, you mean in this scenario? Say, oh, yeah, in yeah, this in scenario, this, if it's yeah. brand new and they yeah. were happy to go with, you know, the hosting that I would be providing. Um, I, uh, yeah, definitely. I, w- I would want the details from the get-go. And my, my expectation as well with this particular client would be that the words domain name servers and all of that would just be utter <laughs> yeah. nonsense to them. So they yeah. would be happy to be instructed in an email to send me the login details. I was always really surprised, actually, with how cavalier clients were with sending their emails and passwords to their hosting providers just in a reply to an email. You know, I'd be thinking, OK, how are we going to get this password? And immediately, OK, there it all is in plain text and a password. That's in a sorry, in an email. Fine. That makes yeah. it easier for me. But I was always amazed. Right. I've got complete control now over your domain. That's great. That always, yeah, that's, that. I think, the best way. What about you? You're going to be doing that from the get-go, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's going to be my, I always want them on my server. It is tricky, though, when they've got a live site elsewhere. Of course, you are building that on a temporary domain until they move over. That's definite. There's nothing you can do about that with the Agile. It's only on the new approach. But Miss A, it's easy for me to make. If I was a different agency earlier, then I would be building it separately because I would be thinking, okay, I'm building this thing which they're buying off me, this product, this website, and it's my product. And, and you know, we haven't even had the conversation about who they're going to host it with. They've only come to me to build a site. The hosting is their thing as a business. Where nowadays, I don't even entertain that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, if I'm going to work with you, it's just going to be sensible to do it on our own servers. Yeah. Because I'm, you know, I'm going to take more responsibility than previously I did. For your I also website. feel that the whole migration thing is just so yeah. much more straightforward. I mean, especially in the WordPress space, there are so many excellent tools which you can really bank on 
that you mm. can, within moments of you clicking a button, I mean, it really is as simple as that. You know, if you've got the, the login details, then you, you it may be a plugin mm. or it may be some sort of SaaS service like Migrate Guru or something like that. Mm. And it just seamlessly happens. But that was a, that was quite a big piece of the puzzle for me. You know, getting a, getting a backup, putting it onto my local computer, then uploading it and unzipping it and making sure that the database credentials were all changed and that, you know, everything in the options table was correct. Whereas now you just press a button and it does it all for you. Find and yeah. replace, all done. And another big thing that's changed with the DNS thing is that um, yeah, I was always very keen that clients owned and bought their own domain and had it registered with someone else. And they used to be able to just share their passwords and I could go in and do the fixes and point it to wherever it needed to be. These days you can't now. I have to organize a time because every time you log in to them now, it sends them an email to check yeah. into you and you need your you know, pass number. So that is no longer an easy thing to do. So I have to reconsider how I might get involved with, the, you know, the, the domain names themselves. The I think there's, well, may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is an actual reserve, a pot of money to be made about handling the registration of the domain. But for me, I think now they're so, everybody knows how to buy domains. They can do that themselves. But you're right, if you do need to make a change and they've got two-factor authentication switched on and it, yeah. you know, it's it's not something that you could have put onto your phone if it's sending them a text message or an email. That is another impediment, isn't it? That is a bit of a, mm. that's a bit of a thing. But I think it's, I think, I think ultimately I came down on the side that the clients owning their own domain and running their own domain and purchasing it every year and it being on them was probably a better idea. I tried both. And I've yeah. still got quite a few domains that every year I have to pay for and then invoice clients for. But um, ultimately, you know, it's such a trivial amount of money. It seems it's better off just let them do it. And then if something goes wrong, it's on them and not on you. Exactly. And then things, tools like Better Uptime um, send you nice little warnings that it's, yeah. you know, a couple of weeks. So if you think you've got a client who might forget this, you can set, you know, be on the ball and, and tell them that. I, one of one of the site I was talking to you earlier about this, one of the other benefits of them buying their own domain names from their preferred place is that you end up with different uh, domain name servers that you're supporting if you're running their main server. And some of them go down. And when they all go down, all of those sites on that domain name server go down. So if I took care of that and put them all with the one supplier, then all their sites are going to go down and yeah. I can't distance myself between their uptime and what I'm providing, where recently I've been able to say, hey, you guys, you're all on this um, domain name supplier and you've just been going down recently, you know, servers up here, other people are fine, but just to let you know, and if it's a problem, you know, I'll let you know again. So it's nice to be able to separate my what I'm offering away from what the DNSs are doing. So you've had that as a problem that the, one of the one of the registrars that their their domain name servers have gone down and so it's just not feeding traffic to the website for any of their customers. Oh okay, that's a Yeah, yeah so a you problem. know, I mean recently, you know, two a couple of days apart, we had two half hour to 40 minute sprints with one domain name. So seven sites that are with those all went down on my servers where all the other sites are up and you know the better uptime tells me it's a dns issue um 
So, you know, it's it's quite nice being able to separate my kind of hosting uptime different from the domain name server. Whereas if I was to do that for everybody and put them on the same one, they're all going to be down. I'm not going to be able to distance myself any longer. Yeah. So I suppose if, you, if you've got one that you rely on and it goes down, that's a tragedy. It feels yeah. that's quite a rare thing, though. That, that n- never really bit me, I don't yeah. think. I, up until fairly recently, I was using Google. Google domains as the registrar and they had a they have a nice feature in there where you can delegate the account so your client so long as they've got a Google account which most people do they can they can log in and make amendments themselves but also they can they can uh, take ownership of it so one of the options which I think is really nice is that the client um, let's say the scenario where I'm hit by a boss mm-hmm. the uh, and I've actually had that in well, not me being hit by a boss, but the one of the, you know, the other way around, one of my, one of the clients came to me and said, look, my web developer who bought and paid for the DNS has passed away. What can we do about it? And the answer was not a lot apart from go through some sort of convoluted ICANN process. But with this Google domain setup, up that the client can just log in and say, actually, it's mine now, give it to me and lock Nathan out. And yeah. I think that's quite a nice feature. I've, I've no idea how that works or how it's implemented. I've just seen that it exists. But yeah. um, but I've moved I've moved everything now to Cloudflare pretty much. Everything's basically over on the Cloudflare side because I, I see that as a pretty solid solution and it's not let me down yet. Yeah. Thinking about it, my extra benefit isn't really an extra benefit. It just needs to make sure that we're good with good DNS right yeah <laughs> really yeah yeah and, and honestly yeah. if, if it's going down twice in a couple of weeks some questions need to be asked about that don't they because that's that's one of the few things they've got to really really get right and if they right, don't get that yeah. right and their their servers are going down that's a bit catastrophic you imagine how many customers they got phoning them up during the, those half hour periods yeah you know i get quite a lot and it, it does go across m- multiple suppliers i mean you know it's not huge i mean they're still running at 99 point something percent uptime yeah, on yeah. average you know I, i'm just you know when a few go down more often than others you you spot it um that's all but you're probably right if you go through cloudflare and i have got one i was saying to you that is with google they've registered but i'm not sure if it's entirely connected up as you were mentioning before they've got uh, they've got kind of five options haven't they for yeah their, i think it's five <laughs> five points of failure i think well, yeah uh, so i mean yeah. I, I suspect we're not set up correctly for that so i have noticed that go down before but anyway we're on to a different topic should we talk yeah. a bit about what we need to do before we can launch yeah let's go for it okay so i mean these are different categories here there's you could i saw a list i think it was something like 80 things you need to do uh, there's various items i think on the was item one ignore the re- the remaining 79 <laughs> yeah 80? it's like that is that really 80 <laughs> things was, good lord I'm, yeah i've seen a load of them so i think there's a competition out there to get uh, more things on your checklist That's but basically right, yeah. I, <laughs> I think they fall into basic categories of so i'll just run through these quickly yeah. shall i yeah that yeah that good. so we've got we've got security and backup we need to set up we've got some form of analytics perhaps that's um, numbers or user behavior seo legal um accessibility privacy 
copy, uh, make sure that the spelling is correct and stuff like that. Uh, performance, which could be speed testing and also setting up the site really fast. Uh, browser and device, so responsive stuff and making sure it works on all devices. And functionality, things like contact forms, email signs up. And you've put in on the end the DNS as well on this one to make sure that it's all kind of set up properly. Yeah. I guess in your process, all of this is just... Hap well, there's a couple there that you, you know, like setting up the backups, maybe yeah. you, you wouldn't have set that up. But things yeah. like the copy and the, the, the responsive stuff and making sure that the contact forms work, all of that's probably going to have been happening along the road anyway. But I would, yeah. I would encourage the clients to go and basically just pummel the site for, mm. you know, visit every link that you can find, check that everything's in the right place, go to this page, submit this form, make sure that you get it, you get an email and so on and so forth. Yeah, but a lot, most of that would have happened um, and really all that I'm doing is checking that the migration occurred correctly and that nothing got weirded out on, uh, during the migration because I would have done all of that stuff apart from the de-indexing, you know, the, mm. the SEO bit. Hopefully all of that would have been done uh, several days before we finally get to this moment in time. Yeah. I mean, I quite like the fact that these things are done slowly over time. Things like forms, you know, you, it, it, it used to feel like a real chore when a site went live, just going through all of these things and checking them out. I don't know. But now it feels a, a little bit better now. I'm slowly releasing bits and pieces yeah, but also, I mean, if it was a big site with like hundreds of pages and so on, I, yeah. I think I really wouldn't be checking everything. I'd probably just be checking some headline pages, you know, the things that are in the main navigations and checking a few random links and making sure that they all work. But if it's a site, so I don't know, a site with um, user inputted data, so it might be, I don't know, a product listing or a real estate site or something like that, I think I probably want to be a bit more thorough. And on the new site, I'd probably want to put up a few fake listings just to see that it's all working then quickly delete them just to make sure that those uh, <laughs> i don't know acf fields are actually mapping to where they should be in the templates and so on it's just what you just said is quite interesting there about the, the fact that there's you know one thing that we now start to expect from websites is that they've got some kind of social proof and on a new domain you're not even going to be able to have that kind of section of your site complete before you launch yeah. really unless you make up stuff yeah yeah <laughs> uh, um so it's, uh, it's it's a point for agile it's the yes other way. yeah yeah either that or you just have fake social proof you know get, <laughs> yeah. get your mother to write something and <laughs> that's always gonna happen but yeah that list looks pretty solid to me security backups analytics seo legal copy performance browser functionality dns yeah, it's not 80 points long, but that covers most things, I think. Yeah, within that, I'm sure you could go over 80, you know, yeah. for actual yeah. hands-on jobs to do. But uh, there are some other things that I guess are going to come into it. So um, the other thing is going to be perhaps client training, which we'll talk about in the next series. Ah, uh, yeah, client that, training. Good point. Um, and how we hand over. Yeah, yeah. typically I would do the client training after it's actually gone live. That just always seemed like the best time to do it. Um, right. Because then at least at least it's what it is. Whereas I always felt, yeah. and your agile approach is entirely the opposite. I always felt that if I allowed them to have the training before it was live, they might want to make amendments at that point. You know, oh, okay, does it work like this? Well, can we make it so that it behaves like this instead? I'd rather this was here. Whereas if it's live and it's all been paid for and the contracts, you know, it's all been fulfilled, 
at least now it's look this is what it is this is what you agreed to we've been here this is it you know yeah but that's a tricky thing isn't yeah. it because if there's i always feel that that well it was certainly true in my case when i was working with somebody else the client training side of it and it's still poor isn't really factored into the the build of it most of it the focus is on getting this website out or was before for me yeah and the client training is kind of this few hours after afterthought really that's right that's totally true and in my case it was mostly reactive it wasn't like yeah. i've got this suite of things to say it was more when the client you know you know you've been here i'm sure you've been here the client you go through with them on on a certain day what it is they've got to do and then like a month later they phone you up and say how do you log in again how, how do you do that? How is it that I amend this thing? I've completely forgotten because they weren't paying attention and they were just sitting next to you and nodding. And so for me, it was often just reactive and it was a question of making tiny little short 30 second videos in response to a a problem that, that came my way. So, you know, the whole, how do you log in? Okay, let's make a quick video. Here's the URL, watch this video and put it somewhere, yeah. put this video somewhere safe, just stick it on your desktop or something. And then next time you do it, you can refer to the video. And then by the third time, you won't need the video anymore because it'll be part of your muscle memory. Well, we'll have lots to talk about for next yeah. season on that. Yeah. So the other thing, um, <laughs> one thing that you added to the list here of other things just suddenly made launches more exciting to me, penetration tests. Ooh. Want to talk about what that is? Yeah, so I I never did this, but I did have, did have clients who had fairly technical staff you know that they, they were yeah. in they were in technical industries it was it was the one i'm thinking of it was in the car industry and they obviously had a lot of technical people because they were working with computers and cad and all of that kind of stuff and one yeah. of the guys said i'm going to run a penetration test on the site this was after it had gone live just to see how everything is and and honestly at that point part of me wanted to die a little bit on the inside because <laughs> i didn't really know what was about to happen as pure luck would have it nothing came back as a problem but they flooded the website and it was actually on their own server so it was literally on a box that they owned so uh -huh. part of it was you know we're going to swamp the site with visitors and the server stood up to that so that was on them anyway so that was good but they also tried to inject malicious things into all the forms and luckily the sanitization process that that the forms had made that a non-problem so I was very lucky in that it came back with a, a complete clean bill of health. But I don't honestly know. I think at that point, my technical expertise would have been really in question because all I would have been doing is saying, look, we agreed on this form plugin. Um, we agreed on this way of doing the site with this CMS. Uh, I don't know what to say at this point, but I didn't have to deal with it. But yeah, there's another thing to think about. Yeah, so that's really stress testing plus <laughs> yeah because i mean i've done a bit of stress testing but really for my own uh, really for my own sites most of the time i mean the the e-commerce one i wanted to know when i moved to uh, hosting whether it could deal with so many clients on an e-commerce site at the same time so i did a little bit of that but i've never really needed to do it with mine but i i think it's a it's another thing that might be on the list before you launch to know that your hosting is going to actually deal with that number of concurrent users yeah. particularly if you were doing something like um 
training stuff for courses or something like that where people needed to be logged in. I guess also in this particular case, the fact that the server was a box that they owned and it was in their building, so they'd figured out all the routing of that and the DNS and everything, I'm guessing that they wanted to be absolutely sure that they weren't opening up some sort of backdoor into their their own network. Right. Um, I can't be sure about that, but the, the guy was clearly very, very technical. Um, he didn't understand anything about WordPress. He didn't need to. He just needed to know that, okay, if I throw this at it, what's the what's the outcome? And luckily, there was no problem. But mm. I would have been in, in a bit of doo-doo if, uh, if, <laughs> if I'd have had a problem. I think, I think I wouldn't have been able to speak the same language that he was. <laughs> yeah. That, and then another angle which... I guess I've never really been involved in is the fact that you might have to link the promotion of the launch up with other online stuff. So yep. perhaps Google, Facebook ads and uh, social media teasers that might need to go out. Yep. Um, yeah. 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 yeah there's, I mean, again, for me, just being small timey, that stuff never really happened. It really wasn't a big deal. But if you're in a big agency and you're launching a big product for a big company, the coordination of this would be massive everything's got to happen on that on that moment and so even with your agile approach there's going to be a moment in time where look david we have to have Mm. it done by this date please um and it's got to be at least this so that we can get the uh get the socials going and and spend thousands and thousands of pounds on facebook ads and only if it was that way round, it's usually the other way round where yeah. I'm quite keen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I think probably I we've think we're done. done all because, yeah. We're, yeah, we're just leading on to the next series. So we'll just talk about all, all things related to the kind of training clients. We'll look at their training needs and their limitations, what kind of website documentation if any we need and the support we provide how we'll be dealing with changing staff that's oh that's a big one for me well new management i think for season four you're on your own because now that we've launched the website i'm done mate you've gone i'm gone i've cleared off i'm I'm, I'm now going back to season one and starting again yes just join me training Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, that was really interesting. The website's launched at last. Miss A hopefully Yay. is dancing around, you know, showing all of her friends and neighbours her beautiful new website and everybody's happy and the rainbow <laughs> is out. But uh, yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. So I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Bye bye. Well, I hope that you enjoyed the podcast. Always a pleasure chatting to David. This was an interesting episode where our paths diverted. Him, using Agile, is going to get something launched much more quickly than me, where I go for the waterfall approach and try to do everything before the site is finally launched. But there's lots and lots of little steps that we learned about today. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast. If we missed anything out or if you've got some commentary about it, head over to wpbuilds.com and search for episode number 200 and 91 and leave us a comment there. The WP Builds podcast was brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL and 24-7 support. Bundle that with The Hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients and get 30% off new purchases. Find out more by going to go.me forward slash WP builds. And we really, really thank GoDaddy Pro for their continued support of the WP Builds podcast. 
Righty-ho, we will be back next week for a podcast episode. Hopefully we'll see you around somewhere, perhaps on Twitter, perhaps in Facebook. We've got a Facebook group, wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook. Join us there as well. If we don't see you, well, I hope you have a nice week. Stay safe. Cheesy music is about to fade in. Bye-bye for now.